0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, the Democrats, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're not even hiding it anymore. Their battle plan and how they're going to leverage another crisis going forward. You're not going to play. I'm going to play their own words. Don't take my word for it. Just listen to them. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, your online data is yours Keep it private, protect it today. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Well,
1: you know it's Friday. Time for a little
0: optimism. Yes. And thank you for doing that. Yeah. And we are not going to do doom and gloom no. 24 hours. I do have some optimistic notes today for you too on Friday. Yes, sir. So, folks, I'm going to give you the bad news first. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to give you the good news. And then I'm going to lay out the Democrats' battle plan, which I'm telling you, just listen to their own words. There we go. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Genucel. Hey, you wish that double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. People look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. Here's the famous Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put GenuCell jawline cream in my neck two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in 20 years. We get a lot of emails like this. People told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. With Chamonix MDL technology, GenuCell's brand new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin and neck area for tight, healthy, younger looking skin. You'll see that mirror smile back at you or 100% of your money back. No questions asked. Order GenuCell's brand new jawline treatment absolutely risk-free and get a second month. For half price, what a deal. And for results in 12 hours or less, GenuCell Immediate Effects is also yours free. Immediate Effects. Got a hot date? The Immediate Effects, way to rock and roll. Order online for an extra $30 discount or or online orders only. Just use my promo code DAN30 at checkout. That's Dan30. Go to GenuCell.com. Order now and shipping is also free. GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. All right, Joe, let's go.
1: Here we go, Dano.
0: There we go. The bell is back. It's back. That reminds me, Paula, maybe we should do a date night tonight. Ooh. Use that immediate think Yeah, let's move it up there. Yeah. Just throwing that out there on right. the air today. <laughs> Folks, uh, before we start off uh, with the the battle plan, again, they're not hiding it. Just listen oh, to the own words, no. what they plan on doing. It's going to disgust you. Joe, matter of fact, before the show, he gets to you know, he gets yeah. to creep on all the videos. Yeah. He's like, You believe what that guy said? I'm not unnecessarily teasing. They're already slipping mm-hmm. it out. I want to get to this first because um I'm going to read you a quote at the end of the show, if I remember. I saw it on Jenna Ellis' Twitter feed from Kierkegaard, and it is so apropos for what's going on right now. What did I talk about yesterday? How the left-wing media puts a fence, a perimeter, around what acceptable conversation is. Mm -hmm. That perimeter, that fence around what the acceptable conversation is has nothing to do with what's actually happening or the facts of the day. It only has to do with what they want you to talk about to do maximum damage to their ideological opponents. I hope that makes sense. The Washington Post, the New York Times, the Daily Beast, the mainstream media hacks. They're not getting you the facts. I'm sorry if you believe that. They're giving you a story, a story, Mm -hmm. not the story. Mm -hmm. And the a story they're giving you is only meant to do maximum damage. To non-liberals and people who don't agree with them, it has nothing to do with the facts. I'm going to lay out a conclusive case for this day throughout the show using multiple stories: the Mueller probe, uh, the uh, the ongoing Wuhan virus crisis, and other stories. Check this out first. So, Tucker Carlson last night brought up something we discussed on yesterday's show. Ladies and gentlemen, is is this the first crisis in human history where we're completely disregarding the costs? Where we're moving forward with ridiculous, ridiculous, juvenile, infantile nonsense. Like, if we don't shut the whole economy down, Joe, you're just in this for the stock market. You want people to die. Shut your pie hole. You're a non-serious moron loser. I'm sorry. You have no place in a decent conversation. Please step aside and let the adults handle. I'm serious. If that is what you're suggesting we're saying... You're really advertising your ignorance, not ours. So please step aside and let the adults figure this out. You can go eat at the kiddies' table because you're intellectually living in a vacuum and you're an idiot. That's not what anybody is saying. Life is built on trade-offs, sad but true. We live in a world of scarcity, a world of difficulty, a, 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 a wonderful world at times full of love and relationships and children and moments and beautiful sunsets, but it's not all peaches and cream. There's a downside. Pandemics, war, plague, human violence, all this stuff happens. You ignoring it makes you sound like a fool. The world is built on trade-offs. It's always built on trade-offs. We live on the margin. We live in a world of risk. We don't live in a world, as I say all the time, in the winter of heat or no heat. We live in a world of how much heat. We make decisions on the margin. Very few decisions are black and white. The whole world of ethics is built around that gray area. How much heat in the winter? Not heat or no heat. You got to heat up your house. You'll freeze to death. The question is how much? Well, I'm comfortable at 73, but I don't have the money for the heating bill. Oh, uh, uh, Put it at 73. We need you to be, I can't, I'll go poor. You're trading off your comfort. You prefer 73, Joe. That's right. But you keep the heat at 70 because you can't afford the oil That's bill. That's right. The world is full of scarcity and trade-offs. Everyone does it. I don't like flying, ladies and gentlemen. I've always hated flying. Little known fact about me, I'll fill you in on today. I do it all the time. You know why? I have to feed my family and maintain my business, which requires me to fly a lot. Bingo. I don't like it. I never have. I take the risk on myself because I'm a big boy. I figured it out. I understand the trade-off, and I have to feed my family. That's the real world, kids. And I'm not talking to my audience. I'm talking about the liberal idiots who keep telling people in the perimeter of acceptable conversation, you're not allowed to mention trade-offs within that perimeter. You're not, because if you do, you want people to die and you only care about the stock market. double barrel middle finger, go sit at the kid's table, you're an idiot. People are suffering right now. They are at a red line of stress because terrible decisions are being made about shutting the country down based on data that is not happening. Your models are not working. I don't care if you think it's acceptable or in the perimeter of acceptable conversation because you're a left wing nut looking to hit Trump. I don't care if you think that's acceptable. Tucker Carlson showed us last night. And other hosts as well, Hannity and others, have been plowing straight through that fence and talking about this anyway. And we are beating the liberal media at their own game, Joe. I'm going to show you examples mm-hmm. of this throughout the show. Let me play this video first last night of Tucker talking about this exact same thing. The media, you either want the stock market to it or you want people to die if we don't shut the economy down. Tucker, Hannity, and others have been plowing through it along with this show. Listen to this last night. This is how we beat them and show you how infantile these idiots are. Check this out.
1: What would have happened, for example, if we'd adopted a more conventional response to this epidemic? What if we'd asked the elderly and the immunocompromised and anyone else facing statistically higher rates of risk to stay inside, cloistered away, and then at the same time, allowed the rest of the population to use informed common sense and continue to work? What if we'd done that a month ago? Would the death rate today be much higher than it is now? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But it's clearly a conversation we should have had before we locked the entire country down and put 10 million people out of work. But we didn't have that conversation. Instead, we outsourced the decision to public health officials. And that's the strange irony of the moment we're living through. One of the main lessons of this crisis is that the public health establishment failed us badly. The World Health Organization colluded with the Chinese government to lie about critically relevant facts during the early days of the outbreak. Once the coronavirus reached our shores, the CDC couldn't seem to produce working tests. Those were disasters. Many people died because the people we trusted to protect our health didn't do it. They've been thoroughly discredited. At the same time though, we're being asked to trust these same people without hesitation. And for the most part, we are doing that. In other words, the experts failed, yet the experts now have more power than ever before. It's bewildering. In fact, it's reminiscent of 2008 when reckless behavior by the banks crippled the economy and crushed the middle class. But when it came time to fix it, we put bankers in charge of the cleanup. Now, this is not an argument against expertise. It's not even a populist argument. Of course, bankers understand finance. Epidemiologists understand coronavirus far more than most people do. So turning to experts in crisis makes sense, and we should, and hopefully always will. Hmm. That
0: is... Probably the most important minute and 40, minute and 50 seconds you're going to see probably this entire month, maybe this entire year. It's early. Mm-hmm. Again, for the little kid liberals listening, you can go turn off the show now. I mean that. It's not. I don't need your downloads or your views. We will be just fine. Please shut the show off because you're not going to handle what I'm about to tell you because I don't think you have the cerebral capacity to outside of your TDS infection to process common sense anymore. What about what Tucker just said is unacceptable? In other words, he just, he's not allowed, you have to understand the acceptable fence the liberal media has put around conversation right now is panic only. If you're not panicking people 24 hours a day, Joe, if you're not engaged in a 24 hour hysteria operation, Mm -hmm. you are not allowed to speak. And you will be shut out of the conversation as someone who wants blood and stock market returns only. 10 million people's jobs have been wiped out. They have been left with nothing on data that has not panned out. Some of you may take offense at the tone towards liberals today. I understand. I'm sorry if it's not for you, I get it too. I'm not making any apologies. I'm sorry it's not, I'm not making any apologies for the tone because I'm going to explain to you why panic is the new normal and why it wasn't during a time I was a media figure because panic damages Trump right now. Mm -hmm. Panic damages the Republicans and panic makes the government under the Trump administration look unacceptable. Therefore, any attempt, to speak outside of their acceptable perimeter of conversation, saying common sense things like Tucker just said, like, hey, the data we use to shut down this entire economy about the threat, Joe, hasn't really panned out. Mm -mm. Should we reevaluate that approach before we bankrupt another 20 or 40 million people? You're not allowed to say that. Panic only. Easy, boss. Family-friendly version (laughs) of the double barrel. (laughs) Let me give you an analogy for the liberals who really aren't that bright and the liberals in the media who are really the biggest ignoramuses I've ever dealt with. Can you imagine... You're an alien, you came down, you're like uh, those guys from Third Rock from the Sun. You look human and you're just adjusting to this new human culture and you're told in your new job as an alien. Of course, you don't tell anybody you're an alien. You're told in your new job, you have to get on an airplane to fly around for work. Like I have to go up to New York right. often for Fox when I do the Five and other shows. Mm-hmm. You're told by the experts in airplane travel that there's a 25% chance that that plane you're on could go down. What? What? I'm quitting tomorrow. So you then quit your job. You can't find a new job. You're having a hard time feeding your family who are now surviving on potato chips and 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 purple drink like I did when I was a kid and buttered onion rolls from Tommy's Deli in Glendale. That's what I ate growing up because we had no money. Old bologna that you just cooked to get the bacteria off. You Oof. know the deal. Yeah. Not a sob story. Harden me up a little bit. I didn't grow up like uh, with a silver spoon baby like these media losers, right? Now your family dies early; their life expectancy goes down ten years. The kids don't get to go to college. You've wiped out years of their education. You've basically destroyed their whole lives and made what could have been a storybook as your alien family. You've made it a nightmare and a horror story. What's the problem with this story? Well, what about the seventy-five percent good made these, stuff? Yeah, that's where you, were you going. made yeah. these drastic, life-changing, literally life-changing decisions based on data. That was false. Uh. You don't have anywhere close to a 25% chance of of, of an an air travel. Air travel is, listen, there are accidents. But the, the data you based your decision on was wrong. You're not allowed to say that now, Joe, because somebody, and you start to have to ask yourself now, as sentient beings using common sense, We're going to plow through the left wing. I know, I know we will be attacked for this. I know it. I know it because the media is invested fully in panic now. Anything you say to question the data and say, should this, is this response commensurate with the threat, which is very real. This virus is not a joke. It is highly contagious and it's very serious. That is not the question. However, the question again, which we've been saying for months is how serious is it? When you get on a plane, you say the same thing. When you go outside during flu season, you do the same calculus. Why have we thrown that calculus out now and say, no, this time we have to disregard all that and we have to impose the maximum cost on anyone and shut down this thing altogether, despite the fact that there's no vaccine. And when we open it up, the virus will likely spread again. Why has no one suggested that? Let's get to point number one. Why they you do this? By the way, the numbers came out today: seven hundred thousand jobs uh, the, the, this week. Uh, that's only until March twelfth, though. Those are some of the official March twelfth. Meaning that number is forget it. Just throw it out. That n- number is going to go up dramatically. We had the ten million claims, right? Mm-hmm. And th- don't don't even worry. But today's number is not even a close estimate of how bad the economy has been wiped out. You may say there's good news. Yeah, there is. Don't worry about it. There is. I'm not going to leave you with the Darrow stuff. But let me show you, and let me explain, because I've been te- teasing this for a few days, and I never nailed it. Ladies and gentlemen, I was a media, I don't know, personality, I don't know how to say that, but I sound like a jerk. You're a media guy, I did media, talking head, whatever you want to call it. Been doing it since 2011, mm-hmm. almost 10 years now. I wasn't exclusive to Fox for a long time. I've only been working for Fox for about two years, and been relatively exclusive for about three or four. I did CNN, MSNBC, and other networks for a long time. Folks, I was there. I was a talking head behind the ceiling. You're gonna like this because this is gonna to expose to you exactly what's going on. I was a talking head during the 2015 Ebola panic. You say Ebola panic. There was a panic over Ebola? No, there wasn't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm messing with you. I was I was a talking head during that. Why was there no panic? There were a lot of stories. Everybody remembers that, right? We had a case of Ebola in the United States. Folks. I specifically remember, and I was in a lot of places, a present employer excluded. I was in a lot of places where I was told by some folks, which didn't affect me at all because I don't believe in panic now and didn't believe in panic then. I don't go on the air and say something. I don't agree. I just don't do the segment then. I think many of you know that. But I can't tell you how many people are like, you know, we want to be careful on the air. You know, you don't want to talk about anything that might panic people. So just to be clear, folks, listen to me, please. I am not making this up. This is not for ratings or downloads. Our show's doing just fine. Why back then in 2015, Ebola, a disease with a fatality rate, geometrically larger than the Wuhan virus? That could have gotten very serious here. Why back then? was the effort always to diminish the threat and downplay. I'll do you one better, although I wasn't as prevalent in the media. When the H1N1 virus, hmm. flu virus broke out, when that which was real. was Ebola was real too, but we didn't lose anywhere close, especially in the United States. Worldwide, it was a bigger problem. H1N1 was a public health catastrophe in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, I remember the exact same speeches. Again, President, employer uh, uh, not included in the bunch. I remember the exact same. For, hey, listen, when you go on the air and talk about this kind of stuff, or or you write about it, or I remember the, from media media advisors and other folks like you don't want to talk about panic. Remember Joe Biden, Joe Biden, who ironically mm-hmm. probably gave good advice back then. We talked about it last time. Said, listen, you may not want to get on a plane right now with the flu virus. The Obama administration, don't you say that we played the cut? Don't Joe Biden? No, no, that's not official advice from you. But why back then? No panic then. Maximum panic now. No panic then. Maximum panic now. Why? We haven't even lost anywhere close yet to the number of people we lost to H one N one. Thankfully, granted to be fair that these obviously these social distancing measures do have something you can't prove a counterfactual but why i'm telling you i lived it why are media people on the left fully invested right now in panic whereas years ago with similar type viral outbreaks no panic don't scare people and as we can see with this media matters piece these far left S'mores roasting, snowflake, social justice warrior, losers without real jobs. These leftist lunatics. This guy actually is hilarious. This guy, Bobby Lewis, actually blocked me. His job was to watch me on Fox and Friends, <laughs> and like, and he blocked me. <laughs> That's how. That's how you plow. I drive this guy so crazy. He actually blocked me. I love it. I'm good at this <laughs> stuff. No one trolls Media Matters like me. Media Matters for America. This is their article. Their article just a few weeks ago, January, Fox News fearmongers about coronavirus with dubiously sourced viral video. So just to be clear, these are the left wing lunatics now suggesting that now, now their new line of attack is Fox and the president downplayed this. Everybody panic. It's the biggest human health crisis in world history. Therefore, Trump should be impeached and investigated later. Everybody panic about how bad this is. Trump did nothing. Yet in January... They were writing the exact opposite articles that Fox was warning people about this virus. And if you read the piece and go to the end, I, believe me, I would never put a link up there. But this is important so you understand what they're doing, how fraudulent and phony these people are in a time of massive disinformation by the left. The media and their media matters cronies are completely useless in this crisis. They are here to damage you and this country. We're writing the exact opposite story fox is overreacting joe they're fear mongers Mm -hmm. that was january those stories are everywhere trump's a racist for the china travel ban from wuhan Mm -hmm. you should call it the trump virus you're all overreacting why what changed why was the we can't panic under any circumstances useful to them in january h1n1 and with ebola but now maximum panic is the only thing acceptable why is that useful to them now think i know you know this because ladies and gentlemen in the beginning the media like everyone else had no idea that this was going to be as serious as it's become they had no idea why because the Chinese Communist Party was lying about human-to-human transition and the depth of the transmission, excuse me, and the uh, the depth of the problem in China. They were hiding it. Nobody knew. Not the Trump administration, no one. Not the intelligence community, despite what they're telling. Take it to the bank. Nobody in early January had any idea how severe and contagious this was. The lethality, we can still debate. That number is still open, because we're not sure about the fraction yet. Nobody knew. So back then, Joe, when there was a strong possibility based on the faulty data from the communists that this was going to be a minor threat, Mm -hmm. it was politically useful for the no panic at the time left to say, Trump's panicking, Joe. He's a racist. Mm -hmm. He's forbidding Asian-Americans from Wuhan from coming to the country. Acceptable perimeter the fence around acceptable conversation, the only acceptable conversation in January by the Media Matters nuts and their left-wing lunatic propagandist Pravda allies was if you don't call Trump a xenophobe and a lunatic, you're a racist and you're overreacting to a problem that's not a real problem. The Chinese said it's not a real problem. And Fox News, they're fear mongers. Mm-hmm. And anyone talking about how dangerous this could be, you're a fearmonger too and a racist and a xenophobe and you're anti-Asian. for the audio listeners, but a switch got flipped somewhere along the way. They sensed the fact that this was probably pretty contagious and they realized they had to flip a switch and go from the, Hey, don't panic. And if you do panic, you're a racist to now you better be maximum panicking. So we have an excuse to back up this data that hasn't been exactly right to shut down the economy. We'll leverage that later. Mm-hmm. We'll use that later for our ideological interest. Don't listen to me. Listen to them. I got the video. We'll leverage that later, the panic. And then we'll use the panic to pretend and retcon the whole story and pretend from the beginning that we should be panicking now because the Trump administration didn't do anything when when they did something, we called them a racist. But we have to cover our tracks, too, because then if the story gets out that we downplayed the threat by calling Trump a racist, it'll make us look like the morons we are. So we got to retcon the story and now do maximum panic. You getting this? Sure. If you don't have maximum panic yeah. all the time now and you don't understand the severity of the problem because you're lost in a fog of panic, and nothing makes sense anymore. Trump was wrong. You'll go back and you'll look and you'll forget the past in the story. You'll forget everything. And that panic will be used to retcon the whole story. Mm-hmm. Retroactively rewrite history because you'll be lost in the panic. Ladies and gentlemen, people who are in a panic are not looking at data. People who are in a panic are worried about where their next meal comes from. So, if you can rework the economy, again, don't listen to me, listen to them. I'll play you their own words. If you can rework the economy, hammer Trump in the process, and get people in a panic to not look at the data, which hasn't exactly come true, folks, about how lethal this was going to be. And then keep it as an excuse to keep the economy suppressed and do maximum damage to the president and, and Republicans, by the way, who are actually relying on the data. Oh, this is a win, win, win. I was there, folks. When Obama was in charge. Panic. You go on here and say panic with us. Forget it. It's over. Now. If you're not panicking, you, under, you, you underestimated the threat. You should be put in jail. You have blood on your hands. You just want the stock market to go up. Now, I'm going to get back to this media fence of acceptable conversation, and how they flipped this. Remember, inside the fence in January, the acceptable conversation only was, don't panic. Trump is panicking. He's a xenophobe. Yep. That's been moved out of the acceptable conversation. They've now replaced inside the fence with if you're not panicking, you have blood in your hands. It, it, this is actually happening. I'm going to give you more of this, all right? I uh, just want to give you some optimistic stuff because I don't want to leave you with a lot of gloom and doom like the media. Here's the first the story in the Washington Examiner in the show notes, it's worth your time. Ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be, I can't emphasize enough how bad this is going to be for millions of people. I get that. You're like, well, that's not optimistic. Having said that, this is a headline, it's not my words, but the Washington Examiner, the lucky few winners and the many losers of the coronavirus business lockdown. Article in the Washington Examiner, it's worth your time. It'll be up in the show notes, bongino.com newsletter. If you go there, you can sign up for our show notes every day. We'll email them to you. We won't spam your inbox, I promise you. There's a screenshot from this piece. Ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be some potential silver linings. Very I know it's difficult to talk about silver linings in such a dreadful situation. But again, I'm doing this because I don't want to leave you with 24-hour gloom and doom. And I know this, doesn't, this is no solace at all to business owners struggling right now, none. But again, understand I'm trying to leave you some note of optimism here to know that this, this will pass and we will get through this. So, quote, a potential silver lining during this period of immense economic hardship, though, is that certain small business owners have used the lockdown to implement internal improvements and become financially literate about their companies. Quote, small business owners who are forward thinking, glass half full kind of people are looking into new technologies, marketing and physical improvements to their businesses, said Lillian Roberts, the CEO of Zendu, which provides bookkeeping and accounting services to hundreds of small businesses across the country. Again, folks. I am in no way, if you listen to the show, you understand we're doing data and facts here. We're not doing hysteria, downplaying the severity of what is going to be the largest economic dislocation in American history based on the data alone. That's not my opinion. The data speaks for itself. We have never seen job losses like this. Having said that, even during the Great Depression, I was watching a Show on the History Channel last night. I've been really enjoying Cars That Built America. It's from a kind of a left-leaning. They make FDR out to be a savior with the New Deal, which was a disaster. However, they do do some decent work. They were talking about how even during the Great Depression, efficiencies were found in production factories for cars and elsewhere that later on when the economy rebounded, made these companies more profitable later because they had to learn to be efficient. Mm -hmm. They weren't flushing profits anymore where they could essentially waste money and time. Again, I know that's small solace to people suffering right now. I get that. But even here in our operation, I'm not kidding. I don't speak with forked tongue. Paula, me, Joe, Drew, people who work with us and around us and in Paula's case for us here in our company, me too. I work for my own company. I'm not kidding. And Joe can me. We have had to find interesting and unique ways to do things. That's true. Small silver lining. Combine that, potential efficiencies later, with the fact that before this happened, the shutdowns in March, ladies and gentlemen, the economy was was motoring, was doing great. Wall Street Journal, don't take it from me. I teased this piece yesterday, but I want you to see the data for yourself because I want you to understand we will make stuff again. An economy is rich because we make stuff. I'll get to that in a second, but here's the headline of the article by the editorial board, the sunny days before the virus. Last month, small businesses were hiring and giving out raises. Some of this will come back. Let's go to the piece. Again, I want you to understand, not all of this, but some of this, potentially a lot of this business activity is going to come back when we get past this. Check this out. This Again, we do facts and data here. I'm not doing 24-hour hysteria. Forget it. I'm not interested. I'm interested in giving you information and facts you can make on your own. All right, I'm having trouble with that, so. Businesses were hiring before. They were giving out raises. They were having a tough time finding workers. A lot of that activity is going to come back. What I meant by that before is we're going to build. So if I was having a conversation with my brother yesterday, I, I, believe me, I'm not killing time. I have a lot to get to. This is important. Though. I'll get to it first and we'll get to the actual data for a note of optimism. Ladies and gentlemen, a nation's wealth. Imagine it like an island. We get lost when it becomes to big macro issues, like 330 million people mm, in a nation. Yeah. When you're thinking about economics, don't get lost in the wonkery. Think of it very simply. If our nation was an island with 100 people, how would we know we were a wealthy island or not? By the stuff we make. Stuff. It's about stuff. I'm sorry to tell you that. All this stuff about economic measures. How much love do we have? How much happiness? That's great. Listen, that's for a sociology and psychology study. That's not for economics. Economics is about stuff. What we would call in economics supply. It's about the supply of products and services. What do we make? That island is rich if that island has things like cars and condos and doctors and hospitals, it's a rich island. Mm-hmm. If an island has nothing but trees and baked fish, then that's all we have. You have it? Oh, right, you got. Hold on. Wait, leave it for a minute. No, no, take it back. Take it back. I'm not that. <laughs> that island that only has trees and fish and huts is not is I, Again, I'm not oversimplifying this. Economics gets lost in wonkery all the time. That island that has the hospitals and the condos and the cars is rich because they produce it or can acquire it because they produce other stuff and can trade for it. This economic dislocation is severe despite whatever government checks they cut, ladies and gentlemen, because for now, close to two months, we are not going to be producing stuff. Stuff is what makes us wealthy. There's almost no stuff being produced for two months or very little of it compared to what we produced before. We will take a huge hit. Well, what's the optimistic note? The optimistic note is people need stuff and we will start producing stuff again. As I said, before this meltdown, we were producing stuff. Here are the numbers and the numbers are really good. 54% of surveyed companies said they were hiring. This is from the Wall Street Journal or trying to hire 24% said their number one problem was finding workers. Over 35% of the businesses said they had job openings they were unable to fill. The labor pinch was sharp, in construction industries with unfilled jobs at 56% of companies. Believe it or not, this is good news, ladies and gentlemen. They were hiring so we couldn't even find enough qualified workers. A net 31% of businesses reported giving workers a raise, with a net 16% intending to do so in coming months. I'll leave it at this. A net 9% seasonally adjusted plan to grow new jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, these are great numbers. This was before we stopped producing stuff. I don't, again, uh, oversimplifying it sometimes is the only way to go. People get lost in the micro macro transition. We will produce stuff again because people need stuff and people will work to get stuff. Food, hospital services, iPhones, we will do it. And a lot of those economic conditions, if done the right way, will return. I'm not doing doom and gloom here 24-7. Now, Solidifying my larger point during the show, that the media is dictating the terms of the conversation. They're putting a fence around what you can talk about to try and stop conservatives like me from plowing through with the facts and data and others, not just me. And they're changing the story based on the week to see how much maximum political damage they can do. Mm -hmm. They're not getting you the facts. Don't panic. Now panic. It makes Trump look bad. Makes conservatives look bad too. Watch. They're doing this absent any data. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had a draconian economic response nationwide to a threat where the data has not been accurate. Now, the Wall Street Journal has another great story using another analogy here to show you the one about the like the plane. I said about the analogy about the plane and the alien. This one's even better. Check this story out coronavirus lessons from the asteroid that didn't hit Earth. Benny Pfizer and Andrew Montford. This is a great piece. Showing you how data, when you, showing you how people who disregard data, Joe, and use dopey talking points mm-hmm. like the media looking to attack you. And you want to talk about, you don't want to shut down the economy. You want people dead and you want the stock market. Showing you how moronic that is based on bad data. Check this piece out. They talk about this asteroid. They say, take an example from astronomy, talking about how data matters, you would think, to so-called journalists. Joe, on March 2nd, 1998, media around the world announced that a mile-wide asteroid was on a possible collision course with Earth in 2028. Oh, my gosh. Everybody evacuate Mm -hmm. now. The data says a uh, meteorite, an asteroid, excuse me, is going to hit us. But only a day later, the global asteroid scare was over. As additional observational data showed it would miss by 600,000 miles While the initial calculations weren't inaccurate, they were based on limited data and weren't properly scrutinized, Hmm. which made the announcement premature. A short delay while new information was collated was all it took to show that there was no risk at all. (sighs) Clearly, there's not no risk at all here, and that's not what the writers of this piece are saying. They're simply suggesting that maybe before we shut down the entire economy... We should have gone with a more nuanced approach, like Tucker in his opening segment had referenced. Telling at-risk folks to stay home, suggesting hand-washing, face mask wearing in public. Get the testing out quicker and better. Make sure we know antibody testing, serological, serological testing, who's immune and who's not. Get the vaccine working. Start looking at hydroxychloroquine and other remdesivir and others. Maybe a more nuanced approach while people stayed in their jobs would have been appropriate. Instead, we're going to bankrupt probably a quarter of the American citizenry over data that said an asteroid may hit Earth when it's going to miss by 600,000 miles. I'm just throwing that out there, that maybe we should get a more accurate data set, better at predicting models than the one we've been using. That has not come true. As Berenson said last night on Tucker Carlson's show, Joe, the models they're using are not from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. The models they're using to predict how dangerous this is, and therefore we should respond with maximum pressure, uh, making people lose their jobs and elsewhere. The data they're using is from last week, and it's still wrong. Now, I promised I'd get to this yesterday, because again, the theme of today's show is how the media dictates the terms of acceptable conversation. I want to give you their battle plan in a minute, so I got to go through this a little quickly. But with regards to a different story, I'm going to get back to this Wuhan virus in a second. Mm -hmm. But with regards to the Spygate story, remember the trajectory of events. The media dictates the acceptable terms of conversation in the beginning. Anyone outside, that's a conspiracy theorist. In the beginning, Joe, on Spygate, remember when Mark Levin told people there was a FISA warrant on Trump back three years ago, I believe, in October? And what did they say? He's a nut. The second dumbest guy in media, Brian Stelter, told, said Mark Levin was a conspiracy theorist. There was no FISA on the Trump team. Of course, Levin was right. Now we know there was a FIS and we know it conclusively the Trump team was spied on. Mm-hmm. Then what do they do? After establishing the fact that the, their ideological enemies, the media's ideological enemies, Levin, me, Hannity, that we're conspiracy theorists and we're all crazy, once the truth starts to come out, they drip, 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 drip it so that no one pays attention anymore. So the original narrative that we're all nuts conspiracy theorists sticks, but the truth only slowly comes out. And nobody ever finds out that the original narrative we told you the conspiracy theorists, was right and the media was wrong. This is their strategy everywhere. I'll show you how they did it with the Wuhan virus in a minute, but let me show you with Spygate how the New York Times did. Remember the strategy. Mm-hmm. We tell the truth. The Trump team was spied on with the Pfizer. You're conspiracy theorists. Left-wing media and blue check mark liberal idiots pick it up, spread it around. Don't listen to Bongino and Levin. They're conspiracy theorists. That spreads, Joe. That cement hardens that we're all nuts and not to be listened to, right. even though we're right. right. The media knew we were right. Then when the truth comes out that we were right, Official government documents, investigations, and elsewhere, what happens? They only slowly drip it right. out and recondition the narrative, softening up the body do you so that when it comes out, it doesn't hit all at once that the media was wrong and hopefully you'll all forget about it. Watch the New York Times. Let me show you two days ago. Look what they put up. Remember, the same outlets that were calling us all nuts for telling you Trump was spied on by the FBI. Watch how they soften you up. To that, don't worry, Trump wasn't politically targeted and spied on Joe. It was a pervasive pattern. This is from Charlie Savage, March 31st, just a couple of days ago. Problems in FBI wiretap applications go beyond Trump aid surveillance, review finds. Don't worry, this wasn't about Trump, Joe. They weren't spying on Trump. This was a pervasive pattern. You don't believe me? Look at the new narrative here. Look at the words. I read this to you the other day. I'll read portions of it to you again. Here's a side benefit for the FBI. It undercuts the narrative fostered by Trump and his supporters that the botching of the applications to surveil his campaign advisor is evidence that the FBI engaged in a politically biased conspiracy. Notice how he uses the words in the paragraph before. This is a broader pattern of sloppiness. In other words, we told you three years ago, the FBI spied on the Trump team. He now admits it. They were surveilled. He says it right there. hmm. These are some of the same idiots that told, that told the world we were the conspiracy theorists nuts who are now admitting what we said was true, but they're saying, don't worry. It's not because he was politically spied on. It's not that we were wrong calling them conspiracy theorists the whole time. You were. It's that it's just a broader pattern. That's They're softening you up. Body blows right here. For the new narrative, it's a broader pattern. You don't believe me that they're softening you up here for that new story? It wasn't politically targeted. Those guys are still conspiracy theorists, even though they were right. Crazy Levin and Bongino, totally nuts. They just admitted we were right the whole time, but they can't admit it. They have to save face. So now, Joe, it's not political target. It's a broader narrative. Ah. Here's a piece by the same guy and and noted collusion hoaxer as well, Adam Goldman, a running joke in the media. This guy's a total clown. Um, You see his name all the time in this show. Look at the date on this one, Joe. Oh, February 23rd. So someone in the intel community, yeah, what, a month ago or so, Uh Is leaking out. The, look at the language here in this piece. Charlie Savage, same guy, and Adam Goldman noted collusion hoaxing. National security wiretap system was long, long plagued, Joe, by risks of om- errors and omission. Don't worry, Joe. It's a broader pattern. Yeah. It's pervasive. It wasn't isolated to Trump. Happens now all look at the, the language yeah. in here, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I was all the time, buddy. <laughs> which I was kind enough to snip out for you from the February 23rd piece showing you how they're softening you up. Same language. The problems, Joe, may be part of a broader pattern in other FISA applications that never received the same scrutiny according to interviews with these former DOJ officials. Oh, the system is vulnerable, they said, to low-level agents. You know, can't, can't blame Comey. Suppressing or overlooking evidence that weakens their case when they seek permission to conduct surveillance. Do you believe this crap? (sighs) Remember their battle plan. They're doing it now with the Wuhan virus as well. They did it with Kavanaugh. Throw these people out there, Julie Swetnick and others, who made these ridiculous, outrageous charges. The professor against Kavanaugh. No evidence at all any of it was actually true. Let the cement harden. Kavanaugh's a rapist. Then weeks and months later, slowly drip out the truth so that you can save face and act like you're doing reporting while nobody's paying attention and nobody will call you on your BS. They do it all the time. You said Trump was spied on. You're a collusion nut, Levin and Bongino, you idiots. Now they admit it. They were surveilled that we were right. But now don't worry. The new narrative is, yeah, we reported it that way because it's just a broader pattern. It wasn't political targeting. You people are psycho nut jobs. You're disgusting. You're gross, horrible people. You had an FBI lawyer, a high-level lawyer, literally alter emails to specifically target the Trump team, lying about an American citizen's work with the CIA to make him look like a spy, and you're suggesting, oh, don't worry, it's a broader pattern, as if this is a good thing. Idiots. Now, Joe, are you following me here? Because it's it's really important, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take away this show today. Take away from the show that this is what the media does. Kavanaugh, the Ukraine hoax, impeachment, all this is what they do. They perimeter around the acceptable conversation. Mm -hmm. Anyone outside of it's a conspiracy theory nut. Don't pay attention to them. When the conspiracy theory nuts, air quotes, are proven right, Mm -hmm. the quid pro quo didn't happen. The Mueller thing was a total scam. The spying happened. Then later on, drip the story out in slow pieces so that no one realizes the media was wrong and we were right. Watch how they did it with Tom Cotton. Mm. Hat tip, by the way, this... um. A.G. Hamilton, I think it is on Twitter. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact, but I saw this on his Twitter feed or her, I don't even know if it's a her. but this is just, listen to this one. It, so now there are strong suspicions out there by actual, you know, smart people, not the media, that the Wuhan virus may have come out of a Chinese lab. But when Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican, of course, so he has to be attacked, Joe. Yes. When Senator Tom Cotton said this, Back in February, look at what the Washington Post wrote by Paulina the Disgrace for for Rosie. Washington Post, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked February 17, 2020 by Paulina the Disgrace for Rosie. So let's be clear. Mm -hmm. Tom Cotton suggested that the Wuhan virus may have come from a lab in Wuhan. By the way, a theory not yet proven, but showing very strong evidence. But, Joe, back then, why was it? Pa- think, Joe, think. I need you to be the I'm audience thinking, yeah. referee. Okay, We're going to do quiz show today. Okay. Think, Paula, you too. There we go. Despite our earlier technical difficulties, help me with this one. Why in February, when the media was still in don't panic mode, Anything said against China is racist. And Trump is, in fact, a racist. Remember, this is the time period that article comes out. Why would saying the Wuhan virus leaked from a lab in China? Why would calling it a conspiracy theory and attacking a Republican be useful for them? Mm -hmm. Mm. Because Mm. back Mm. then in February, Mm. we were still in. (laughs) Thank you for the Jeopardy theme. Back then in February the useful perimeter of uh, available arguments Uh that you were allowed to put out that were only supposed to be damaging to Trump, the useful arguments back then was that Trump had overreacted, he's a racist towards China, and he's trying to blame China. Therefore, if we let it get out there that the Chinese may have leaked a deadly virus from a lab Mm -hmm. that killed Americans, that would make Americans believe, Joe, that Trump was right. And he's not a racist that, in fact, he banned travel from China because of a real threat. We can't have that. That's a conspiracy theory. These media people are idiots because they now retcon the whole story. You don't... don't yeah. yeah. Don't take my word for it. Use their own headlines. Huh. They retcon the whole story. Paulina the Disgrace, for, for Rosie, whatever her name is, is now pretending that article didn't happen. Here's, listen, here are her words in February when it was useful to attack Trump for attacking China. Senator Tom Cotton repeated a fringe theory suggesting that the ongoing spread of the coronavirus is connected to research in the disease ravage epicenter of Wuhan, China. Watch, this is their own words. Cotton referenced the laboratory in the city, the National uh, Wuhan National Biosafety Laboratory. An interview on Fox. Oh my God, he was on Fox saying yeah, it too. Yep, yeah, there it is. He said the lab was near a market. Some that's it, Joe. Some <laughs> scientists initially thought was a starting point for the virus's spread. Again, so just to be clear, yeah. in mid February. When attacking China was racist, and that was useful for the disgraceful joke rag of a toilet paper of a newspaper. The democracy dies in the darkness when they are the darkness, Washington Post. Back then, it was a fringe conspiracy theory for Fox and Tom Cotton, who's a Republican. Softening you up. Oh, oh, oh. YouTube viewers, you get to cheat and look ahead. YouTube.com slash If you want to watch the show, Washington Post just yesterday by, by the well, by the way, David Ignatius, who always gets leaks from the Intel community. Yeah. Somebody in the Intel community must have known Trump was right and is now so, drip, drip, drip. Now, now that Tom Cotton's a known conspiracy theorist, now they can drip the truth out. Look, this is an actual article yesterday. How did COVID-19 begin? Its initial origin story is shaky. I thought it wasn't shaky. You just said, Paulina Ferrosi you just said it wasn't shaky. That if you suggest anything other than it originated in the wet markets, you're a conspiracy theorist. Now it's shaky. I thought democracy died in the darkness. Let's read the words of David Ignatius himself. U.S. intel officials don't think the pandemic was caused by deliberate wrongdoing. He's got to cover for China there, Joe, folks. first. He's got to put that out there. The outbreak that has now swept the world instead began with a simpler story, albeit with tragic consequences. The prime suspect is natural transmission from bats to humans, perhaps through unsanitary markets. But here's the drip, 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 drip. Let's retcon the story. Rewrite history right now. But scientists don't rule out that an accident at a research laboratory in Wuhan may have spread a deadly bat virus that has been collected for scientific study. Listen to this. Here we go. This is the same Washington Post. Good science, bad safety is how Senator Tom Cotton, I thought he was a conspiracy theorist, put this in a February 16 tweet. He ranks such a breach or natural transmission as more likely than two extreme possibilities, an accidental leak of a bioweapon or deliberate release. Here, here, he's got it. Here's the drip. Mm -hmm. They have to nuance and soften you up with the drip because they did, keep in mind, hold this up. Ignatius is getting leaks from the intel community that Trump was right the entire time and so was Cotton. So he can't let that out at once. They can't retcon the story slow. They have to do it slowly, not quickly, or I'll still look like the idiots they are. So he's got to take shots first at Trump. And now he takes the shot at Cotton at the end. Cotton's earlier loose talk about bioweapons. Keep in mind, he said it wasn't likely. Mm -hmm. Set off a Fuhrer back when he first raised it in late January and called the outbreak worse than Chernobyl. Listen to me. And as my grandmother used to say, and listen to me good. God rest her soul, Eileen. Loved you to death. You are being had. You are being defrauded. You are being lied to. You are being scammed. You are being destroyed. And so is your country right now. By media outlets not worth the dog waste you tracked in your house on your shoe. I just put up their own headlines. Media Matters. The Washington Post, who have done a 180 and changed their entire story. Why? Because they are hapless political losers who would rather see this country burn to the ground than to see this president elected, this president succeed, or us beat this virus on his watch. I just played you their own headlines. I showed you the headlines. Go to the YouTube if you need the visuals. Go to the links if you need the visuals. These are their headlines. Spygators, you're conspiracy theorists. All right, he was spied on, but you were right. But it wasn't political. It was a pattern. Trip, trip, trip. Saying it leaked from a Wuhan lab. Conspiracy theorists nuts. It may have leaked from a Wuhan lab, but you're still nuts. We're nuts? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Suggesting we open the economy. It's a blood sacrifice for the stock market, Joe. Uh, is the data we're basing that decision on right? It's not right, but it's a blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare talk about that. We will bankrupt whoever we want, you moron. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, gen pop. Man. Deplorable unwashed losers. You don't need to work. We're in the media. Our jobs are okay. We live in the D.C. New York media bubble. We take the Amtrak, a seller, no less. Wow. Not with you stinking, unwashed, mass losers, audio engineer Joe, former cop Dan, idiots. You don't need to work. Shut your mouths. We'll tell you what you can talk about. But you did talk about that last month. That was last month. Don't show us our own headlines. I hate being dumb. Oh. Such idiots. Yeah. Me and you talking about Spygate and that the data may be wrong on the Wuhan virus. What idiots we are. Mm-hmm. Morons. We're so stupid. You wasted your time here. You should have been listening to the Washington Post, where last month you thought it was a conspiracy theory if you read the post. And now you're being told it's not a conspiracy theory. That they may be right. Same newspaper, by the way. Paul, we're going to skip over this. I'm going to get this John Solomon story. I was going to get to the Mueller stuff, but it's it's kind of a bit of a reiteration of an old story. I was, I'll was i get to it on Monday. But John Solomon is a story I have in the show notes today. Basically, now it's coming out again about the Mueller investigation that they knew from the start, like I told you, that the whole thing was based on this Don Jr. Trump Tower meeting and the PP tape. Mm-hmm. And now they're finding out the Don Jr. Tower meeting. The translator was at the meeting, was like, no, nothing happened there. I told you that story this week, but this was suspicious stuff. I'll get to that on Monday. But I want to skip ahead because this is important. Again, showing you, look up the word retconning. It's a Hollywood term for rewriting movie history, like the Halloween movies where Michael Myers keeps dying and they keep bringing him back and pretending the old story didn't happen. Yeah. The media is doing, the are retconning, they're rewriting history right now. Here is the loser of the day from yesterday. Loser of the day, Axios, which has turned into a total propaganda reg. Now, I used to think they were serious people. My mistake, I'm very sorry. I led you down that road. I don't use their stuff anymore if I I don't have to. Here is the Axios guy, Jim Vander something, whatever. Sounds very sophisticated. He has a job. Not like you dumb deplorable. You don't need jobs. Here is this guy on MSNBC yesterday, another propaganda outlet that told you Spygate was a hoax, suggesting hilariously, despite the facts, retconning the whole story, That it wasn't New York and the Democrats playing down this threat. It was the Trump Fox News watchers playing down the threat. I'm going to play the evidence afterwards, showing you how dumb this guy is. But here's a Vanderloser on MSNBC telling you how you dumb Republicans played down the threat. Therefore, you're getting the worst of it. Check this idiot out. You're seeing here, and this is a bigger problem for society, is information inequality. Like, why did DeSantis do what he did? Why did Georgia
1: wait so long? It's because they were listening to President Trump up until the last five or six days. They were watching Fox News, they were listening to Rush Limbo, and they were following conservatives on Twitter or social media, all of whom were downplaying this. So people, the information was there, but in that information bubble, they were basically getting a lot of sort of noise and news pollution.
0: I just showed you the lefty lunatic media matters headline claiming Fox was panicking because they told you the truth about the Wuhan virus. I just played that for you. I just showed you that. I just showed you the Washington Post article telling people any suggestion of a threat coming from a lab in Wuhan was a conspiracy theory. And this moron, this gold medal winning lunatic goes on DNC, the Moscow Maddow Network, and tells you it was us who were doing what they were doing. Now, I never play cuts twice if I don't have to. Yeah. Hat tip, Tom Elliott, real clear. Here's a grabian clip. Here's a cut from yesterday of red states like New York. It's a joke. New York City officials, including the Health Commissioner and Democrats, just a month ago, telling you, go out, it's safe, go to parades, go to Chinatown. Nancy Pelosi, come on down and shop. Here are the exact opposite people. Jim Vanderlooser told you were playing it down, actually playing it down. But Vanderloser doesn't know this because he writes for Axios, another toilet paper rag if they had an actual physical copy. Here's a super cut yesterday of Democrats playing down the threat while we warned you about it. Check this out
1: the risk to new yorkers for coronavirus is low and our city preparedness is high
0: this should not stop you from going about your life should not stop you from going to chinatown and going out to eat i'm going to do that today myself
1: come to chinatown here we are we're again careful safe and Come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hardy people. Americans
0: do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, Mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call For seasonal flu, there's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu.
1: So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person to person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more cases. cases. Right, right. Because yes. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, exactly. with everybody all the time.
0: I guess Van Der Loser missed that. I'm not suggesting, because I'm not Van der Leuser, we do facts. I'm not suggesting that if you were a Republican, we were without sin here. That we've handled this perfectly all the time. I'm not suggesting that even on the show, we knew every, we didn't. Nobody did. Because the communists that the New York Times and the Democrats love in China lied to us. I'm not suggesting that. That Republicans and even the Trump administration—oh, everything was perfect. Everything. no, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm, I don't play that game. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I'm simply suggesting to you that Vanderloser from Axios is completely 100% lying to you. That it was the Republican states that were in a dif- disinformation vacuum. Those were Democrats telling you that, and their media allies. It's like the cold. Yeah, hmm. it's not like the cold. Now ladies and gentlemen again don't take my word for it remember the th- the excuse me the whole theme of this show has been why the change in acceptable why the change in narratives to be quite simple why was the media narrative in january media matters the washington post no big deal fox is panicking people conservatives are panicking people they flipped the switch figuratively overnight To now, if you're not panicking, you undersold that you should be arrested for getting people killed and you're just in it for the stock market. Why did it change? Because the media and the left saw an opportunity. Oh my gosh, you can't say that. That sounds mercenary. I'm not saying it. Listen to the Democrat governor of California answer a question himself when asked by a radio host, hey, do you sense this crisis and this panic as an opportunity to instill some new progressive far left liberal stuff? Listen to his answer. I'm going to cut about 30 seconds of this at the end. Listen to his answer. Don't listen to me. Listen to him. Absolutely. We see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do business and how we govern. And that shouldn't put shivers up the spines of, you know, one party or the other. I think it's an opportunity anew for both parties to come together and meet this moment and really start to think more systemically, not situationally, not just about getting out of this moment but more sustainably and systemically to consider where we can go together, this historic moment, if we meet it at a national level, and a state and subnational level. So answer is yes. Oh, daddy. Not my words, folks. Not my words. (sighs) You may say, well, that's just the governor of the biggest state in the United States, the largest liberal state in the United States, California. Answering the question, yes, this is an opportunity for them to instill some sustainable, progressive-like future. Now you see why they need panic? Never let a crisis go to waste. Remember Rahm Emanuel, Obama's chief of staff? But ladies and gentlemen, how can you have a crisis if you don't have panic? If people aren't panicking, it's not a crisis. So the media flipped on a dime because they realized, wow, we can now use this panic to do stuff. So now if you don't panic, It's a blood sacrifice. You're not panicking. You want people dead. It's not acceptable to mention not panicking now. Ah, you say, Dan, that's a weak example. I want you to check out this National Review article. This is Jim Clyburn, a leading, a member of the House leadership team with Nancy Pelosi, a high-ranking Democrat congressman. Remember Jim Clyburn? You may say, where did I hear that name in the last few days? Jim Clyburn was caught and was outed for saying, apparently during a meeting with his Democrat caucus, that this panic and this crisis was an opportunity, folks, a tremendous opportunity to achieve the Democrats' new spending goal. Oh, Oh, Dan Bongino, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. Really? Jim Clyburn's conspiracy theory? Headline, National Review. Oh. Jim Clyburn, what was he tapped for? Wait, wait, wait. Clearly, it's a conspiracy theory that they would tap the same guy, Clyburn, who called this panic a tremendous opportunity to advance liberal goals. They're now tap this guy to chair the coronavirus investigative committee. Same guy. Here's the headline. Clyburn tapped the chair coronavirus committee after calling pandemic a tremendous opportunity to achieve them spending goals. Now you get it. So it's all coming full circle now, ladies and gents. Oh, President Trump, you're going to do what we tell you in this panic. You're going to spend on the Kennedy Center, welfare, seven million weeks of unemployment, expanded social welfare forever. How many white people are on your board? Green New Deal, compliant planes, no union uh, unions everywhere. You're not allowed to speak out about unions if you take our money, bailouts, government control of the airlines. You're going to do it. Our tremendous opportunity to remake the economy is here now, and you're going to listen. And if you don't, We just tapped the guy, Jim Clyburn, who said it was a tremendous opportunity to investigate you if you don't do it. Can you put that headline up again? You think I'm making this up? Take their own words. That's a conspiracy theory. Just read their own words. Clyburn tapped to chair coronavirus committee after calling pandemic a tremendous opportunity to achieve Democrat spending goals. You think that's an accident? Think that's a mistake? The same leadership guy, Clyburn, Democrat, far leftist, who wants to remake the economy and never let a crisis go to waste, needs a crisis. Oh, this is a crisis, all right. But he needs a severe crisis to do severe things. How do you get a severe crisis and get people to not pay attention to the facts and data, even though they've been wrong? is the only acceptable way now. And by the way, if you don't play along politically, this will be impeachment number two, investigation number 6,000, and harassment effort number 22 million. We're coming for you because I'm in charge of the committee. I'm sure there'll be a piece in the Washington Post tomorrow about how that's a conspiracy theory too, even though it's their own words and appointments. I just played their stuff, Joe. Their own headlines, mm-hmm. their own words, and their own appointments. That'll be a conspiracy. And then two months later, when it actually happens, the investigation, and they do instill their Green New Deal agenda, they'll drip it out that we were right the whole (laughs) time and say, but it was done out of the benevolence and the kindness of their heart. Let me read to you in closing this quote. As you know, I'm not a huge fan of quotes, but sometimes they're completely appropriate for the moment and worth your time. Kierkegaard, quote, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. I just put the truth out there for you. Their words, their headlines. You refuse to believe it. You've been fooled, not me. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir! You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.